The views and opinions expressed by guests on the TWBC podcast are solely those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the views of nor constitute an endorsement by the host, TWBC, or the advertisers. National Championships, Confederation Championships, World Championships, Major Professional Events. For over three decades, he has been there for many of the sport's greatest moments. And now he brings you even closer to the movers and shakers in the world of high echelon tournament water skiing. From the founder and creator of the Water Ski Broadcasting Company comes the TWBC Podcast. And now here's your host, Tony Lightfoot. Well, uh, greetings one and all. I am the aforementioned Tony Lightfoot and this is the TWBC Podcast, the latest episode of, and I've got a really, really special guest uh, for, for you uh, in this uh, particular episode, many-time uh, world champion in tricks, whether it be open, whether it be uh, youth age category under 21, under 17, uh, what have you, and uh, certainly one of the greatest tricking talents uh, in the world today. She is none other than Anna Gay. How are you doing? Good, Tony. Thanks for having me. Not a problem. Not a problem at all. So, uh, this season, how's it gone so far? It's been good so far. Yeah, I made the Masters back in May, and... I won that, and so that was super exciting, and uh, now we get to ski in King of Darkness here this weekend, and excited for US Open later in the summer, so yeah, good so far. So uh, making it into the Masters this, 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 uh, this time around, normally in most seasons you've already done enough uh, from other tournaments and qualified well ahead of time, whether by winning a tournament, whether by having a higher rank. This time around, uh, for, for a lot of people, uh, that wasn't quite an automatic this time around, was it? Right, yeah. No, we did the three qualifier tournaments. Uh, so May was extremely busy. We had tournament after tournament for four weekends in a row, but it was, it was good. It was, I think they all went really well. I qualified in the first tournament, so that helped relieve some pressure there, but got some good practice in, in the next two and then got to ski the Masters. So yeah, it was, it was a busy month, but it was good. Describe what your practice regimen uh, entails, you know, because tricking, as is widely acknowledged, is the hardest event to be really, really good at. And in order to be really, really, really good as you are, you're going to have to practice an awful lot. So what does that schedule entail? Yeah, for me, it's definitely I have to practice a lot. I have to take quality sets, but quantity sets for sure. Um, I, I ski probably twice a day. Um, leading up to the Masters, I go out and practice kind of like it's a tournament. I try and do three toe passes like I would in the tournament and then I try and turn around and do three hand passes and try and perfect those and if anywhere in that run isn't quite right, I uh, take break down that run, do the sequences separate and then uh, practice those. Do you split your runs into thirds or into fourths, uh, would you say, if you were to compart compartmentalize uh, your, your runs into bite-sized chunks? Um, I would say I split it into, I would do like the first four tricks um, and then my flip sequence. So it would be pretty much the start of my run, which would be some fives and ski lines. I would break it down into that and then I would separate my flips and do my flip sequence by itself. So, so kind of in the half-ish, but 
Okay, so I mean, so so you have like about eight or nine tricks in eight or nine ten tricks in your yeah. in your hand or pass, mm -hmm. you know, and you and you just basically go your fives and then flips and uh, that constitutes your run. Yeah. Now, toe tricks. Uh, tell us a little bit about those because a lot of people focusing upon the dynamicism of the handle pass obviously the vast majority of points come out of that pass but toe tricks you can't afford to neglect those can right. you no i uh i do lots and lots and lots of toe passes for me it's speed and trying to go as fast as i can to squeeze every single trick out of that toe run for me sometimes that makes the difference is that one last trick getting that getting that last trick in time so I really try and focus on going as quick as I can, trying not to waste any time whatsoever. And then if I do bobble or mess up, somewhere in the run, trying to figure out where I can make that up. Excellent, excellent stuff. So uh, we've got we've we've delved deep a little bit so far as what you do on the water. Now, how about scheduling for that? Because you're at the University of Alabama, and that is not exactly like a cakewalk so far as universities go i mean you you have to be focused you have to you have to want it first right. of all and i mean i mean just actually setting yourself time to do what you need to do on the water compared to the amount of time that you have have to have in order to succeed in alabama i mean i mean give us kind of give us a sense of what's that what that's like well i would say the fall is extremely busy um i I ski on the river right behind campus a lot um, as far as tricks go. So I will go typically in the morning, I would say I try and get out there at like 7 a.m. and try and ski um, before any classes. Um, and then I'll go to class and try and do some homework in between there. And then I'll head out to Lyman Land in the afternoon to try and solve and jump or do whatever I need to do out there. And then I go back home and probably study until I go to bed. So it's a lot of, um, I'm in the nursing program, so it's, Lots of studying. Not lots an easy program. No, <laughs> no, it's not easy. It's it's been super challenging and hard to figure out a balance. But um, for me, in the season of life, it's lots of skiing, lots of school, and you know that's okay. And I love it. And it's just a season, but it is. It's been challenging. Having a support system at home and having a support system in college is very, very important. Being obviously, obviously, you're part of uh, the uh, the family that uh, Russell and uh, uh, almost almost forgot who else is in your family, but it's quite an extensive family, and they're all involved in trick skiing in some form or fashion. But also at Alabama as well, uh, yeah. you have a support system there. Uh, tell us who he is and uh, how important he is to your success, both on, on campus and also on the water. Oh yeah, Sean, I think is a huge part of my skiing. I mean, he helps me tremendously in Psalm and now in tricks. Um, he's been a huge part of my skiing recently and I'm so thankful to have him both at home and at school. Um, but my family has always been there for me, always supported me, you know, helped me in absolutely any way that they can. And I, I could not do any of what I do without them, without the help of Sean, without the help of my team backing me up, without Lyman. I mean, it takes a huge crew of people for me to be able to do what I do and I could not do any part of that without any of them. So I'm super thankful for all of the team that I have. Seems like the whole adage, uh, so far as Sean is concerned, is like opposites attract. You know, I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, he, he's he's like one of the world's top slam skiers. Yet I've I have n never seen him put a put a foot in toe or ridden a trick ski before. You know, so but but 
you you always have the perfect comeback because you're an above average slalom skier as well you know so i mean <laughs> how, how how does that dynamic work you know in that regard well i'm i would say only an above average slalom skier because of sean um i my slalom has gone up tremendously um with his help but no he has been awesome he's really taken um, to trick skiing and learned a lot about it and learned my tricking and you know anything he can do to help he'll pin me he'll drive me he'll do whatever he can to help me and so he's been super helpful with that and you know I try and help him with long in any way that I can but um, he is extremely helpful for me for sure he does everything he can and so it's super helpful so that pin but, person in the boat I mean absolutely critical because I mean oh, yeah. not not you know, not only must the pin person know when to release you, but when not to release you. Right. Yep. Yep. Um, in big tournaments, I typically have my dad pinning me. He is incredible pin person, knows absolutely like where to put the weights, where um, to slide over what, during certain tricks, when to pin me, when to not to pin me, you know, when. And that like is totally different in practice. I, you know, something he would hold on to in a tournament is absolutely something he would not hold to onto in practice um but and same thing for sean you know he he's kind of learned that okay where to hold me in a tournament versus in practice um for me to be able to stand up my runs but yeah pin person you know whoever's in the boat riding is absolutely critical to my skiing and um they're always super helpful you know getting my ropes skis boat speeds not forgetting anything and obviously pinning me and all that Okay, now obviously the expression pin harks back to the days where the release mechanism was a mechanism. It was mm -hmm. like a split pin release, and nowadays most people go with the rope release, right. and which is which has only been in place since like the tw 2003 Junior World Championships of way back in Chile. I know because I was there, mm -hmm. but. There, 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 there was this whole controversy a few weeks ago and it actually forced the IWWF Tournament Council to make a, a ruling on, on, how, on, on, on how aggressively, or actually in this case, how non-aggressively the, the, uh, the person behind the boat can manipulate that rope mm -hmm. so far as the rope release is concerned. Now, obviously, there are some people that argue that for safety reasons, having a little bit of rope manipulation is a good idea. But then, on by the same token, on the flip side of the coin, you know, having that that amount of play on the rope up to a meter at that point in time was just plain flat out cheating. Right. Yeah. What 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 what's your take on that? Um. You know, for me, I think even this morning, you know, I had this conversation with with uh, Sean this morning, I was skiing and did toe wake front and trying to learn how to do toe wake front, toe line five, and it's a lot of rope manipulation there and me trying to learn how to control the rope. And he's like, you want me to pull it on the release, which therefore, you know, would take the slack out of the line. And I was like, well, no, I mean, for, you know, that seems super helpful, but for me, that's something I got to learn. Um, and I think for the, as far as the release goes, I, I never try, whoever's pinning me, I try and say, hey, like hold it tight and do not move it. I think sometimes it, can be easy to kind of move it a little bit but um my dad still uses kind of the older releases occasionally which you know therefore it is on the almost like you know if you can't manipulate that at all and so i yeah, think that's the best practice yeah just to but, clear up there are two kinds of mechanisms yeah. there's the split there's the split plane right that that that, that locks under tension and then there is an opposite uh, tensionless uh, pin release mm -hmm. uh that both uh both are manufactured by master life big shout <laughs> to those folks 
But yeah. uh, but but which but which one do you prefer, uh, prefer the tension split pin or the uh, or the tensionless pin? Um, I would say, you know, I think for me, I would want the tension one. Um, you know, the one where you can't move it at all. Um, it's just on the pylon and you can't move it especially because then you have no questions in a tournament you go there and you know nobody can question it because you can't you can't manipulate it whatsoever um for me a lot of the times it's kind of up to the pin or whatever they decide but for me i think if i had a choice i would say i would like the the one that you can't manipulate just because then you have no questions asked do you think on that basis the rope release should be outlawed not necessarily. I mean, I think there's a, I don't know, the, the rope release is so convenient. Um, I think that's part of it is sometimes, you know, I just leave Cut a, a whole piece bunch. off the end of the jump line and just yeah. slap I it mean, on if there. If I don't have a release, I'm like, oh, what can I, what, where can I take some rope and just make one really quickly? Um, and so, you know, for that reason, it's great. Um, but yes, you can definitely manipulate it to help somebody, which therefore would be cheating. So, um, you know, there, I think the rule is good and I do like that it's set in stone. Um, because yeah, it can be extremely helpful for the pinner to help you out a little bit there. Having the roll in one place is one thing, and forcing it's another. Right. Yeah. Well, so, now they video the uh, pin person, so I think it is going to be a little bit more strict. Should it be even even more? Uh, you know, I, you know, so far as the journey is concerned, putting a GoPro and aiming it at, at the rope, and if it and if it. And, and if it goes around the pylon too much away from its original position, then do you think that'll be too harsh? Oh man, sometimes that's hard to control. I mean, even me, like trying to pin my siblings or anybody at school, it's hard to keep that release perfect all the time. Um, I mean, I do think maybe they could try and figure out a certain distance, but it would be, when the rope release is already pretty short, you can't manipulate it all that much. So I think that does help a lot. Um, but as far as them videoing it and all of that, I think you can really tell when somebody's trying to help and when somebody isn't. And it's normally when you think they're probably not going to land the trick from the takeoff and then they do. Um, and so I think it is pretty obvious if they are helping. So I think the video is good. Um, and I think they will be able to tell. So common sense has to prevail. I, I, I think so. I think oh, it can get a little too tricky if you try and now uh, let's delve a little bit deeper into the the women's trick event as a whole competition and everything you are one of the world's top trickers you're battling against Erica Lang you're battling against Neely Ross there are there are others out there that are that are wanting to uh, to, to have it to have a stab at y'all's travermerate of, of trick stars I just come up with an expression, have I? Trivermerate of tricking stars type <laughs> deal, but uh, but I mean, it, it, mu it must it must give you pause and it must give you a sense of delight knowing that the the kind of women's trick skin has kind of gotten back, you know, in terms of popularity and is and and you know is is been been put in a good light again, you know, in recent seasons. Oh yeah, yeah. I think women's tricking is amazing. Um, Neely and Erica are just phenomenal. Janine is coming up there. She's phenomenal. Paige, Brooke. I mean, there's all these good trickers uh, coming up and it's it's fun to see. It's fun to watch. I think tricking is so cool because there's not a huge difference between men and women's, but men, I mean, they're obviously fighting for it more. They're 
Um, you see a lot more strength, some more tricks that take a lot more strength. That is, uh, you know, for me, seems impossible to do. And then you see the women and they do it with so much grace and um, they're so smooth. And so I think it's so fun to watch. You know, women and men can do the same runs, but they're, they look totally different. Um, but yeah, I love, I love seeing all these girls come up and, um, you know, be tricking upwards into the 10,000 point range. It's awesome to see. It's like it's like comparing men's gymnastics to women's gymnastics, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, men men can do like the floor routines and stuff like that, and go on the rings and what have you, and like the bar, and and then and then you switch over to women's gymnastics, and then they do all of that stuff with such grace, you know. And there's good reason why women's gymnastics pulls in more ratings than men's gymnastics. On at the same Olympic Games, you know. So I mean, what do you have to kind of say to that that comparison? Oh well, I would never say I wouldn't say we're better than the men in any any realm. I am. They're absolutely incredible tricking. I mean, there's so many tricking twelve right now. It's insane. Um, but I do think it's fun to. I think you know both events are fun to watch for that reason. You know, it's just it's they can do a lot of the same tricks, but they they appear to be so different just in the way in the way it's done and so I think it's it's super cool and I love I love watching both men's and women's tricking it's just very neat to see and I mean everybody's skiing amazing right now out of their mind it's it's so cool it's a world season so uh what does the dream season look like for you oh um yeah this fall is going to be crazy uh we have collegiate nationals and worlds right in there together and I've heard this will be my hardest semester in school so I it makes me a little bit worried but I think you know I'm going into this season trying to think you know I prioritize prioritizing skiing prioritizing school and trying to just you know go out and really focus on what I need to work on and um, not trying to beat myself up over anything but going out there and trying to work as hard as I can but sometimes you know especially with three events I mean at Worlds I hope to do three events so that would be um, three events is a lot of work. It's a lot of effort. It's a lot of time. And so just going out there and prioritizing what I need to do, what I need to get done so I don't exhaust myself and just be extremely tired. So, Well, if anyone could do it, you certainly can, oh. uh, uh, Miss Gay. So uh, any anything you like to sign out with, any thanks, any shout outs, that type of deal? Oh, well, I always want to say thanks to Nautik and Masterline and my family and Sean, Lyme and Hardy, everybody at the University of Alabama ski team. Um, you know, all of them, they are incredible and just so helpful to my skiing. And I couldn't, I really couldn't do what I do without any of them. So, um, just want to say thanks to all of them. Excellent stuff. And thank you very much for taking you, the Tony. time uh, uh, to participate in this podcast. That was Anna Gay you just yeah, listened to. It. And uh, this is Tony Lightford with the TWBC podcast, latest episode. Be sure to join us uh, for, uh, for another episode. But uh, for now, it is ciao for now the views and opinions thank you for listening to the twbc podcast be sure to check out our website at waterskibroadcasting.com links to our presence on major social media platforms can be found there as well as updates to our webcast and this podcast duplication or rebroadcasting of this broadcast without written consent of twbc is prohibited Subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform and be sure to join us next time for the next edition of the TWBC Podcast.